Greetings from Holland. It's Jim and Carrie, and we are here at Efteling Theme Park. And this has been one of the most enchanting places we have ever been. I love it. How far are we from Amsterdam? About 90 minutes south of Amsterdam. And I would highly recommend renting a car. Uh, you can get here by public transportation, but I think it's going to be more of an effort than it's worth. We just flew into the airport, picked up our car, and hopped on the freeway when we were here in no time at all. Amsterdam is a very popular tourist destination, one of the biggest in the world. And I would recommend, if you love theme parks, if you love storytelling, if you just love a magical feeling that you get inside from uh, incredible effects, great atmosphere, fantastic theming, then you want to be at Efteling. The whole time I've been here, I've been racking my brain for the best possible word. You know, Disney sort of has the cornerstone on magic, so you can't really say magical because I think practically Disney owns the copyright on magical. And I would say the best word that I could come up with was whimsical. I think the best word that I could come up with was sweet. This park is so incredibly sweet and there's really something for everyone. And one of the things I think is the most interesting is it actually predates Disneyland. It started about five years before Disneyland. And it's interesting to see some of the rides are clearly inspired by Disneyland and I think vice versa. I think Disneyland obviously pulled some things from Efteling as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that Walt Disney always wanted was to have a park where he could take his children to and enjoy time. And you really see those influences are here at Efteling that he probably wanted to pull into Disneyland. There's so much green public space here because this was originally a park. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But this park, I have wanted to go here ever since we discovered it on different YouTube channels and different pictures and uh, different Instagram profiles and things. And this park did not disappoint. I think I had very high expectations coming in. And I'm going to say that this park more than surpassed those very high expectations. Yeah, and I don't tend to watch as many as the YouTube videos because I like a lot of surprises. And this had more surprises than I could even imagine. I went in with the mindset of we were going to a theme park with some roller coasters, but I've come away two and a half days later on a whole new perspective on how to enjoy a theme park. So um, if you are watching, if you are listening to this podcast right now, I want to let you know that we're going to do a YouTube version and it's going to be an enhanced version with more ride videos and extended videos and music and different effects to really get the full feeling of the Efteling Park. So uh, go to YouTube and search the best trip ever for the enhanced version of this podcast. But let's start where we are right now at the Efteling Hotel. It's just as charming as the park. Oh, it's adorable. Really easy to find. And we figured if we're going to come here, we want to stay on property. And unlike, say, Disney, which has, you know, a couple dozen hotels to choose from, this is their one and only hotel that is branded Efteling. It has a lot of great benefits, including it's a five-minute walk to its own private entrance, and you get to get into the park 20 minutes prior for specific attractions and queue up. Well worth it. It's got a lovely uh, breakfast buffet that you can enjoy, which was very charming too. Yeah. And one of the things that I've never seen before is you actually schedule the time you want to go to breakfast from either 7.30 to 8.45, or I believe it was like 9.30 to 10.45. It's a scheduled thing. This place runs like clockwork. I would say of the different theme hotels we've stayed at over the years, it's the closest, I guess, to relate to say Dollywood as far as the hotels concerned, but just much smaller. You know, a lot of times people give us grief with our travels. I had one friend I remember one time say, you guys are really better tourists than you are travelers. And honestly, I think that people and the culture and your attitudes reveal themselves in theme parks. How you, you know, do you cut in line? Do you run around? Are you those type of things. I think that uh, the, the way people behave is revealed in theme parks. And another thing that I think kind of exposes different cultures is the food here at the uh, the buffet had some very nice European touches. Like, for example, the sprinkles on toast. 
Oh, yeah. Chocolate sprinkles, fruit sprinkles, white chocolate, dark chocolate sprinkles. I mean, the food here for breakfast is fantastic. They're known for their smoked salmon. That's at breakfast. You can get eggs. You can pretty much get everything that you wish. And surprisingly, their coffee's fantastic. It's dark and strong. Oh, my gosh, is it strong. <laughs> I think I'm still flying high off that coffee. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the uh, Holland coffee. Uh, the theme park it's like you said, it's just a couple of minutes away. It's a very brisk walk. What are the things you notice about Efteling, which is different from any park in the United States of virtually any size? And this is a pleasant surprise, is the lack of development. There's like trees and there's a house nearby and there's not, um, you know, gift shops and various dine and dash restaurants or ticket booths or what have you there's actual like trees around the theme park yeah as we were waiting at the queue to get in the private entrance this morning there are people going to work they're driving their cars they're driving their mopeds they're taking their dogs out for a walk and you really feel like you are in a neighborhood it doesn't i mean show up from the freeway other than the hotel showing up from the freeway you cannot see the theme park they've done such a good job holding it off and hiding it off to the side because, again, this was a public space and a park from the start. So it does not take over the community. So you walk in the hotel entrance and there is this adorable little playground for kids with some of the most creative um, swing sets and different rides that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, they had play tables, they had slides, they had a giant piano like in the movie Big. They had teeter-totters and all these items that I had never seen before, as well as your favorite, the world-famous Epheline garbage cans. Okay, so these are <laughs> amazing. You'll see videos of them. You can find videos of the, the, the garbage cans. So, so many things in Etfeling are based on traditional fairy tales. And many of them you think you've heard, but a lot of them you haven't. And so the story is that there was a hungry family, family who's always hungry. And rather than being hungry for food, they're hungry for paper. So you can hear them as you walk through the park. You'll hear, paper here, paper here. <laughs> And you'll turn around and there'll be this cherub-like face looking at you with an open mouth. And you just take paper, not just garbage, but like a napkin or a wrap or a piece of paper. And you stick it near the open mouth and it sucks the paper in. And then it will thank you in various ways, depending on the character. Yeah, I mean, the, the hippopotamus is the first one when you first come in. And he's singing while he's sitting in a bathtub. And so he continues on and he thanks you in a song. But my favorite one is there's one that's a little ways down. And it's a baby that is crying and crying. And frankly, if you didn't realize it was a garbage can, you'd think a child was crying. But once you feed the garbage can, then it starts to giggle. And it's as happy as can be until the next person walks by. Yeah, there's a lot of different garbage cans, a lot of different characters. And it's one of the trademarks of Daftling. I don't know who thought of it. But it's genius because I found myself picking up paper because I wanted to feed the garbage cans. Well, and it gives like the small children a real sense of, of wanting to throw away trash. And like you said, pick up trash. And I saw you giving quite a bit of your napkins away to children that were looking lost because they didn't have any garbage to throw away. You want everyone to have fun with that. But the uh, the paper garbage cans at Efteling are just one of the charming elements of this park. And like you said, the, the sweetness. Oh, everything about this park is sweet. I just cannot get over how lush and green this is. You really feel like you're someplace like Central Park. And on a day like today, when it was in the mid 80s, as it has been the last three days, that cover of trees has made all the difference in the world because of the shade if this was someplace like florida this would be a concrete jungle and you would be really hot it has got so much cover so much canopy cover from the trees probably more than it's in my opinion it's probably any major theme park in the world i would be hard pressed to find a find a different one and if if there are uh theme parks with more tree cover than etfling Etfling's got to be near the top. I mean, like you said, it's so lush and green. And let, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, here at Etfling, uh, they allow you to bring in outside food. So you will see large fields of freshly mowed grass, you know, very tightly mowed like a golf course. 
and there'll be plenty of open spaces. And we saw families having picnics all over it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's wagons everywhere. And I have one of those wagons at home, the folding thing. Here, I would say every other family probably has one. A couple of the places even had a wagon parking location. But it's great. You see people stopping with their families. They put out their picnic blanket next to one of the canals. And they're just having a great picnic lunch. It's part of their day. They're not rushing to get to an attraction. It's just kind of an all-encompassing, multi-generational. We saw, saw everything from, you know, pregnant women with their ba and babies to families to grandparents. I saw just about every single, you know, age group at this theme park, which you don't tend to see. It tends to group of either teenagers at a theme park or adults. But here it takes all kinds. So here's a tip. If you do come here and you do bring your outside food or even if you go buy food, here's the best place to have lunch. There are these gondola boats and they go around. They, they're they on a rail, but they don't look like it. And you can get on the gondola boat and bring your lunch and they move slowly down this lake and in, in little inlets and they very gracefully and slowly flow all over this really large lake, it's probably about a 20-minute ride. And it's, like I said, it's very slow, it's very elegant, and it's a beautiful way to just eat your lunch and watch the world go by. Yeah, I saw even people stopping at, like, the takeout counters, grabbing lunch, then hopping onto the gondolas and eating their lunch, and you don't feel rushed, and they had no problem with food and beverage on board. It's so, it's it's a great way to do that. So there's a, there's a tip. Another thing that um, you mentioned, the wagons, they have um, little wagons for kids, I guess. They're sort of like these wood cast iron strollers, I guess. They're almost like carts. They're, uh, I'm putting a, I'll put a picture up on YouTube, but they're hard to describe. Yeah, it's almost like if you took a high chair, you took the legs off of it and put it on wheels and then put a giant handle on them, you could drag your kid behind you. And they're really interesting and little kids are riding along on those. And they were just kind of parked everywhere. And you just kind of help yourself. And you just use them as you need. I saw some people using them to hold their coolers on them. But they were great. And unlike a lot of places, I don't think they're worried about the safety. Because they seem to be very safe. And, you know, I don't find the liability that you find a lot of places in the U.S. And they're they're not for rent. Which yeah. is odd. So many other parks will rent strollers. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just it was shocking that this park, they just leave these carts everywhere that people just use. Yeah, they were really cute. A combination of metal and wood. But yeah, I, they'll have to look at the pictures of these to get the best description so you can see them. So now that we've kind of given you the vibe of the park, um, the attractions are straight out of a fairy tale. And many of the uh, names uh, the Scandinavian and uh, Dutch names kind of reflect that. Oh, most definitely. A lot of them I still can't pronounce even with Google Translate and with trying to repeat them a couple of times. So I've come up with my own silly names for some of them. But yeah. it's kind of a little bit of everything here from your calm boat ride to your, you know, looping roller coasters. There's something for everybody. Well, let's let's talk about the roller coasters. There's a handful of roller coasters here and they're all fun. And they're all very good, and many of them have some special effects and some cool details, but none of them are very long. If you're looking for a roller coaster park, Etfeling is not your roller coaster park. The coasters are good, but they're maybe a minute, 90 seconds tops. Yeah, I was rather surprised how short each of the coasters were. But they do have a nice combination. They have wooden roller coasters. They have a couple of steel coasters. They have a couple of new steel coasters, more of the hanging inverted coasters. And then they have another one that I really enjoyed, but again, short, called the Flying Dutchman. That is a boat that is also a coaster. So it's kind of like if you were to take Pirates of the Caribbean, have it turn into a coaster and have a splashdown at the end. And that's a really fun themed ride. There's uh, theatrical fog in the building and music and effects. And then you go outside, you go up a hill and you go down a drop, almost like Splash Mountain. And then the roller coaster really begins in earnest and you whip around and then you dive down. And like you mentioned, like the splash down, almost like a flume ride. Yeah, that one I think I probably enjoyed the most of the five coasters that we rode while we were here. But I mean, I'm glad that we got to ride each of them. Each had its own individual theming and personality and well worth it. But for someone that loves roller coasters, that didn't make it my favorite part of the of this stay. But they're fun. Uh, there's an indoor coaster. Uh, there's the Python, which is fairly new. There's also the uh, the Baron uh, 1898. 
Yeah, that one was neat. That was based on, I think, a mining theme. And again, really well themed. And that one is the inverted coaster. So you're a hanging coaster. And the nice thing with that is you can choose when you get about halfway down your queue. If you go to the left, you can be in the front row. Otherwise, you're in second or third row. So we waited a little longer so we could go row one. One thing we noticed is that I think kids are kids everywhere we went. Uh, they acted the same. They had a lot of energy. They they cut in line, just like just like America. A teenager is a teenager. I didn't find much difference. But it was kind of interesting how many Levi's t-shirts we saw while we were here. Apparently, that brand is big here in Europe. Levi's are huge. Uh, but like we mentioned, the roller coasters, they're all very good. But none of them are particularly long. They're, they're very short rides. But... The park itself takes a long time. We have been here two and a half days, and I think it took us all of two and a half days to see everything. Yeah, and it's the first time we've ever done a theme park where we had to use the map every single day. Usually we figure out a, a theme park, even if it's not a Disney park, within about the first half part of the day. But this one has so many trails through the fairy tale forest that we are getting turned around. And today, finally, about a half an hour before we left, I think we sort of knew where we were going. Yeah, it's not a linear park as far as like a Disney park that kind of has the hub and the spokes that go off into different lands. This meanders everywhere. It's 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 a huge park. I think as far as acreage goes, where the guests have access. This has got to be one of the biggest parks that we've ever been at. Um, like, as, as we mentioned, uh, the, the park is is big. You will need a map. Definitely get a map. And I can't imagine. They do have an app for, for filling. It's a very good app. It's very intuitive. And it's something you should download ahead of time. But I don't think there's a cell phone that exists that, have the, that has the battery life that could get you through all day just using the app. So be sure to have your map because you're going to refer to it a lot. Yeah, we really did live by that map. And we did use the app today a little bit more so. But again, it depends on whether or not you've got Wi-Fi coverage because they do have Wi-Fi here in the park that's complimentary, but it's only in certain locations. You've kind of got to be in different different zones to pick it up. And so if we were in the right zone, it wasn't a problem. But luckily they haven't gotten to the level that Disney has in terms of like, fast passes per se. They have one attraction that you can actually um, pre-reserve on your phone. It's called the it's called the Python. It's the, one of the dual loping coasters. And it was great because you can change it on the fly. So literally we were running behind because one line was taking longer. I went on to the app and you can reserve up to seven people during a time slot with one phone. You don't have to load your tickets on it or anything or pre-book it so many days in advance. And I was able to just push back our time by 15, 15 minutes and it was no problem whatsoever. Just gives you a QR code and you show up at the queue and get in line. The roller coasters are good, but for me, I love a good dark ride. And if there's one thing Ed Fling has is great dark rides. I loved the dark rides here at Edfilling. Yeah, I think that's really been a great focus. And the highlight for myself, we were talking today about what our favorite attractions were. And I think all of our favorites ended up being all the dark rides because they're so well done. They just don't make them like that anymore. So the brand new ride here at Simba uh, here at uh, Edfilling, which I think they're trying to become the signature ride, is Symbolica. And from what I could uh, discern from everything is you're going on a tour of the castle and all of the sudden uh the character oh she, perel perot yeah we can never seem to say I that can't remember his there's name a correctly. guy and a girl and they're kind of a jester character it's Pardane and Pardane. Par, par, yeah Pardon. yeah the girl and the boy we can never get their yeah. names correct yeah so. Pardine is a girl so anyway he comes in and um he tells that uh, we're going to go to the magic part of the castle and we're going to tour the magic area of the castle. And that's where the adventure begins. Yeah, and you get to choose which of the three cues that you want to go with. One of them is music themed. Another one is explore. And I think the other one is the treasure chest. And so you choose your cue and you get in your ride car, which holds up to six people or seven, I believe it is. And you just go through this series of, you know, kind of adventures and misadventures. But it's a trackless car, which I love. You go through different areas of the castle. So you will go through like the uh, the greenhouse 
and you'll go through the kitchen and you'll go through the ballroom and other areas of the uh, castle and different effects will happen. And in the front, if you're sitting in the front of the car, there is an interactive touch screen and you need to hit the buttons at certain times. And the first time we wrote it, I've got to say, it's not very clear what you're supposed to do. And you're distracted by all of the special effects that are happening. So I don't think we did a very good job uh, with the ride the first time. But if you're paying attention, you hit the, the buttons as they direct you. And then that will affect how your different area, whether it's music or it's adventure or what have you, how that will interact later as you push the buttons on the screen. Yeah, and I think part of it is that we didn't understand the instructions so well and what was going on is because it's also in Dutch. Yeah. So for us, we were a little bit lost. I mean, we had done a little bit of research online, but it took us a couple of rides to get it to figure out. The closest I can say that this ride is to anything else we've ever ridden is Mystic Manor in Hong Kong Disneyland. But it didn't have as many screens, which I loved. This is the best part for me of uh, Edfling and all the dark rides is how few screens and how many practical effects they have and how well done the practical effects are. For example, you go to Universal and it seems like everything is 3D glasses and a screen and I'm so over that. Edfling will renew your love of theme parks and practical effects because they're so well done but symbolica is amazing yeah and the nice thing and we did figure this out even though we were staying at the hotel side which is literally the opposite end from the main entrance of the park if you were to come in the main entrance it's kind of the icon as you're coming down the main drag yeah. all of a sudden you see symbolica that being said, if you stay in the hotel and you come in during the early admission hours, actually it has its own private entrance. And so you get to queue up. So for two days in a row, we did the early admission. And early, I mean 930. That seems so late for a theme park for us. So we were able to be the first riders two days in a row on the um, actual Symbolica. And this morning, the first trip kind of broke down a little bit or slowed down. So we got to ride it two times in a row, which was even better. But at any given time, I would say the maximum wait time for Symbolica, and this being the number one attraction right now, was only 40 minutes. Yeah, that's not bad for waiting for a theme park. By the way, if you take the hotel entrance and you have the early entrance, when you walk by the panorama, <laughs> panorama restaurant and the lake that's on the left, go left. Don't go right. <laughs> Don't do what we did. Yeah. <laughs> go left. Trust me. That's great advice. Before Symbolica, the uh, I guess the quintessential ride that was most associated with Epfeling was the uh, Droomvlucht, which is the dream flight. And boy, it's it's not as modern as Symbolica, but I think I like them just the same. It's such a sweet ride. It was my favorite, and it's one I'd seen a little bit on YouTube before we'd left. I kind of peeked at this one. And it so doesn't translate as well. On th You have to see it in person. You can see the pictures, and they're nice, but you really need to experience it in person. I really thought we were going on Peter Pan with fairies. That's the best way I could think originally before we got on to this ride car. Nothing like Peter Pan. This blows Peter Pan out of the water. Yeah, it's also, it'll put you in the mind of like the E.T. ride. It's also a hundred times better than E.T., but it's it's beautiful and it's elegant. And the, like I said, there are so many different audio animatronics and the spaces. Carrie pointed this out as we were riding it. Each space that you see is huge and it goes so far back and it goes back farther and has more detail than it probably needs, than it could get by with. And it's the the level of commitment and detail on Droomvluct is amazing. Yeah, the depth on this one is unlike anything that's even necessary. I mean, they could do the characters in the first third of what you're looking at, but no, they keep going back again and again. And you're on a hanging rail, so you're hanging above it, but there are hundreds and hundreds of characters in this ride. And you just, every time you go through, you see something different. And we wrote it four times, and today we spotted more things that we hadn't seen before because it's so interesting to look at. And this was hands down my favorite. I thought it was the best. I could ride that ride all day. Yeah, and I mean, even if you're not into fairies and pixies and whatnot, yeah. there are trolls, there are castles, there are just so many neat features to it. 
And what I really enjoyed is it kind of takes you up, you know, you're riding the rail and you're in the dark. And then when you get to what the very top, all of a sudden you kind of start spinning down towards the bottom of the traction. I, I guess it would be best described as if you were in spaceship earth at Epcot and they took you to the top and then you had to get down in a circular pattern. But I've never been on a rail hanging ride where you kind of spun to the bottom, but still things saw things all the way down. We saw trolls that were working their way down. I mean, it's just so interesting and unique. Yeah, I think um, I think gravity takes effect. It's almost like if you're at the top of a spring and you're spinning all the way around down the wires Mm-hmm. of the vertical spring to, to it's 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 a great ride i love drew and uh there's also uh the carnival festival which i guess is etfeling's version of it's a small world yeah i had to i did go online and google it today because i couldn't figure out who came first on that one and actually they came second uh they were in 1984 i believe is the date but there's some major similarities to It's a Small World. It has a very catchy song, not that we can understand it, but a lot of the scenes were exactly the same as I swear I've seen at Disneyland. It was kind of fun. It's a whole world showcase. It's got everything from New Zealand, but of course Holland is being the key feature. I mean, and it's about a 10-minute ride. It's The only difference is it's not in a boat. You're in basically a doom buggy that's got a clown face on it. But it seemed to be pretty darn close to small world, but it's a must see. And even the sign on the outside I sent over to a friend, I was like, look familiar. But it was a it was a fun knockoff. And I really enjoyed it, of course. Uh, There's another dark ride called Fata Morgana, which is sort of this Arabian uh, ride similar to, I guess, kind of like the the Pirates of the Caribbean, I suppose. It didn't really seem to have a narrative that I could pick up on, but you counted like how many different animatronics? In one scene alone, I counted, I lost count at 40 audio, audio animatronics. That is in one scene. And again, that was about a 10 or 15 minute boat ride that we went on. So I would guess there were easily 200 and of all different sizes throughout the attraction. And that's one that maybe if we spoke Dutch, we'd understand a little bit better. But it was kind of Alibaba and the 40, you know, and his 40 thieves or whatever. Some sort of Arabian theme, but we were just kind of looking at it from the, the actual technical part of it. They had a giant Aladdin at the very end. That was one of the largest things I'd ever seen. But it's interesting, but that one we did lose a little bit in translation. Yeah, it's uh, the the technical aspect is pretty amazing if if the storytelling in in my mind fell just a a little bit flat and you know obviously with dutch being the primary language here and i thought that there would be more words that would translate easier but that is not the case no and i mean and every so often you hear you know something it sounds like german but even those two languages are quite different from each other so i'll hear them say something and realize okay i know what that means a little bit in german so i can kind of do a a double translation but Luckily, I would say a majority of these people people here, at least their version of cast members, do tend to speak English. And they have uh, world flags on their name tags. And I didn't see a single one that didn't have the British flag on there. So at least we had some of the English speaking in most cases. Uh, were there any other dark rides that uh, with a, like a ride system? No, I would say those are kind of the key ones that we, you know, we went on. There were a couple of other rides that were inside. I mean, we went on an inside roller coaster, which was quite interesting. But again, that was another very dark roller coaster. It was like being on Space Mountain with all the lights really, really turned out. Yeah, when something here says it's in the dark, it is pitch black. They are not, they're not playing around. What was the name of the spinning house? I can't remember um, something or another. Yeah, I can't find it here on the list. Maybe you can, but it's right near Droomvlucht. And I thought we both thought that it was going to be one of those top spin rides. And it turns out to be this incredible special effect where you walk into the mansion and it looks like you're doing, you feel like you're doing a full 360 degree turn, like you're on the ceiling. Like you're up on the wall and you're climbing the wall and you can feel the gravity and then the whole room spins around you and it is so well done. I thought it was going to be more of a thrill ride and instead it's a, yeah, maybe it's the Villa Volta. That's, yeah, it's the Villa Volta. There it is, Villa Volta. The Villa Volta Madhouse. And I don't usually like a top spin, so honestly, we almost didn't go on it because I thought, 
This is going to be another one of those boring off-the-shelf carnival rides that I don't like to do when I'm at a theme park because it's not worth our time. And I'm really glad that I did because I've never been in something so well-themed. I mean, you come into what you think is a library with furniture and a rug and you're sitting on the equivalent of church pews facing each other and all of a sudden the house starts to spin. And I thought it was excellent. I would actually go on it again. And to think that we almost skipped it was kind of, that would have been kind of a disappointment later on to find out how great it was. Well, and that's the thing about Etfeling is um, there are so many surprises everywhere you turn where you think it's going to be one thing and it turns out to be another. As we mentioned, Etfeling predates Disneyland and it started as a walkthrough attraction with all of the uh, the storybooks. And so you walk through the uh, the storybook forest and the fairy tale forest, I guess is what it should be. But it, you, walk, you walk through and you see all of the, the fairy tales. And I thought we were going to spend maybe an hour in there. And I think today alone, we spent about two and a half hours. And yesterday, we, we probably spent almost four hours in this fairy tale forest. Yeah, and there's a small theme park located south of Salem, Oregon, that's called the Enchanted Forest. And I grew up going there as a kid, and it's adorable. And so I figured, okay, we're just going to go to a different version of going to the Enchanted Forest. No, this is like the Enchanted Forest times 20. It's enormous. There were fairy tales there that I'd never heard of, and I'm pretty well versed from my childhood on fairy tales. But in every single one of these, instead of just being like, you know, your basic diorama. These are walk-through houses. These are castles. These are interactive. Gosh, the emperor has no clothes. That was like some big display you'd see at like a Las Vegas review. It felt like something at Caesar's Palace. I mean, it was so intricate and detailed. I was blown away with it. And the first day we got lost in it. We could not get out of the fairy tale forest. It took us a good hour and a half because the, the paths just meander everywhere. And then there'll be another path that'll cut through the woods there's no rhyme or reason. And of course, when you can't read the signs, you really don't know where you're going. There is not a lot of great signage. Um, another thing, one of the keys to the fairy tale forest is the uh, the tree. The, uh, what is it? The the Spruikendeboom. <laughs> the Spruikendeboom. Yeah, the Spruikendeboom, <laughs> which is the, uh, the fairy tale tree. And he's like one of the key figures in the uh, fairy tale forest and it took us a long time to find it. But when we did, we were so glad we did. He is one of the most detailed, most articulate uh, audio animatronics you could see. I mean, his face shows a full range of emotion. Yeah, almost like if the, if the uh, tree of life and animal kingdom could actually talk, he's not that tall, but he's very large. His face, I would guess, had about 15 different facial expressions, as well as when you look down, he's got roots, which he uses as fingers and drags them through the water in the canal that's in front of him. He was crazy. I mean, he had animals coming from him and the kids could ask him questions. There was like some sort of speaker to where if they wanted to ask him a question, of course, we didn't know what they were saying, but they were interacting with each other. His branches moved. It was crazy. And I'm so glad we finally found it because if we wouldn't have taken... One more right turn again while we were lost in the fairy tale forest, we would probably would have never found him, even though he's such an icon, because it's such a big space. We didn't understand what he was saying, but he was very engaging and you were just drawn in. We sat down and we listened to him talk for probably 15, 20 minutes, even though we didn't understand verbally exactly what he was saying. I mean, that's how engaging he is. So definitely a highlight. Now there are a ridiculous number of fairy tales inside. There's Rapunzel. There's the mermaid. Uh, for me, the highlight of the fairy tale forest was the water lilies. This uh, attraction is from, what, 1965? Yeah, they had brought it on for its 15th anniversary of the park. And I believe it when we were in the Epfeling Museum, I think it was four, at least four years in development because it had audio animatronics and think about it before computers and so it was a long process to put it together and again we almost missed it today so this is a continuous show you walk into the building 
and the building has like a tie theme on the outside, I guess, because because water lilies are good luck. Yeah, they're the sign of good luck in Thai culture. And they had a couple of giant like I think they're Buddhas when we first walked in. One of, and even their eyes were inter, you know, were moving back and forth and watching you. But it was this enormous space that any other theme park would either use it for something else, set up a gift shop, set up a snack bar. But it's just big open space before you even get to the attraction. So you walk into the attraction and it's uh, they have a staging area and you line up right in front and uh, the lights go dark and this figure stands up. It's hard to tell. Maybe it's a woman, possibly a man. I can't tell. But Mother Nature, maybe she stands up and she starts conducting and she wakes up the band and they start playing this song. And then the water lilies start dancing and other animals join in. It probably lasts, I don't know, maybe 90 seconds or so. And uh, the music sounds like horns. It sounds, you can, t it's such a product of the 60s because it sounds like maybe like Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass and Little Spanish Flea or something. But it's so enchanting and so charming. And I, we must watch it five or six times. I loved it. I kept waiting for them to say, wake up the room like the tiki room because that's totally what it reminded me of it had the waterfalls going and the interactive flowers it just it reminded me so much of the tiki room totally different storyline totally different design but just that whole interactive with you know the flowers croon but here i think it was some sort of frog that was in the playing the band and then the geese popped up and they started clapping along but it was phenomenal yeah we just kept staying on and on and on and the song gets stuck in your head, and I'm really glad that we recorded it. I loved the water. It looks so great. Um, another thing that uh, has a lot of traction online is the donkey. And again, they have they have books. They have open up books that kind of explain each of the uh, the attractions and what it all means. And the donkey is a tale, and then they explain that it's a magic donkey that someone cast a spell on and it gives you coins. And so you walk up to this donkey that's on the pedestal and um, yeah, donkey lift your tail is what the, I believe what the pedestal translates to donkey lift your tail. And so you put in a little coin and it says donkey lift your tail in Dutch and the tail lifts up and the donkey shoots a coin back out at you. And it's a little plastic coin. Yeah, I think that what do we get about whether well, it's 50, the equivalent, it's like 50 cents, a 50 cent coin. And I think we probably went through about six or seven of them. And the cute thing is, is they have a little hole punched in them. So I guess if you wanted to make a little necklace or a keychain out of it or a pair of earrings, if you had to, then you definitely could. And every child that came by and every adult that came by stopped to see the donkey and you did not get tired of it. It was just very funny. And sometimes it the coin went, you know, 20 feet. Sometimes it went across the plaza. It just, you never knew where it was going to end up. Donkey lift your tail is money well spent. <laughs> that's all, that's all I could say. And video well recorded. Speaking of money, uh, Carrie mentioned it with the Waterloo ride, but it, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, you go to Disney or you go to some other park and I'm not criticizing, but it's, it's a definite observation you will make is that they're not always very forward with, there's not gift shops everywhere. You don't walk out of every ride and into a gift shop. You don't find kiosks or stands everywhere where they're offering you things to sell. Uh, it's very much a soft sell. And that's really kind of refreshing. Yeah, I think the only consistency they have is they do have photo opportunities after a lot of the attractions, as you're going to find at Disney. But Honestly, I would say the merchandise was a bit let of a letdown for us because you couldn't find an adult T-shirt. You couldn't find a sweatshirt, really. Those things must not be popular here. You could find magnets and mugs, but it was primarily children's stuff in every one of the shops. And we went into, I think, almost all of the shops or plush or whatnot, but definitely not marketed towards adults. We were joking at breakfast today saying, gosh, I could come in here and do a whole whole entire marketing merchandising program for them and they'd make a fortune. But apparently it's not a big deal here. It's not like Disney where there's 25 different t-shirts to choose from. And even when we were in China, we found plenty of t-shirts to choose from at, at other off-brand theme parks, but not here at Effeling. 
Yeah, and part of it is you can be frustrating. Like, oh, I really would love an adult Efteling T-shirt with maybe the garbage cans on it, or the donkey, <laughs> or the water lilies, or or someone from Symbolica, or what have you. But there's also something charming about it. Where, yeah, they do have restaurants, but then you can also uh, bring in your own food and your own drink. And there's just something very wholesome about it. And they have food carts everywhere. I would say. Probably the number one cart they have is coffee. I mean, they have coffee and cookies, coffee and donuts. Everything is kind of, you know, circulated around coffee. But then they also had carts that were really popular that were selling fresh fruit and kids were going for those. They had ice cream. They had their equivalent of donuts or donut holes, large donut holes, a little bit of everything. There's no shortage of food here if you don't bring your own. But then they also had the automats. So if you wanted to go up and just put your coins in and pick something out of an automat, you could do that as well. Yeah, they had a lot of different Dutch treats. They have uh, frites with pretty much uh, every every meal. Uh, I had a gyro. Uh, let's see, what were the little donut hole treats? What were those called? Oh, Oli something? Oli something. And yeah. they were like I a, have the picture up yeah. on YouTube if you want to see them. They have a, they're like a giant donut hole. They were really large. They had, of course, waffles, which are very you know prevalent here in this part of the world. Pancakes. And pancakes everywhere. They had something that you wanted to try, but didn't get a chance. It was like someone took a giant uh, full-size baked potato, deep-fried it, and then swirled it onto a stick. I don't even know what that was, but there were teenagers lined up from half a mile long probably today for those. They had fish and chips. They also had like a raw mackerel sandwich. They had, There's a, quite a variety of food. And they do have burgers. You could also get a burger if you like. Yeah, they even had like a Vietnamese food stand. So we kind of found a little bit of everything. Not everything is open every day of the week. We did notice that that one of the food sections was only open on the weekends. But I think they're also just starting to go into their uh, full summer season in terms of their hours. This was the first weekend that they were open till 8 p.m. And then it looks like starting on the weekends, they're going to start being open until I think I read 11 p.m. But I would say for the most part, the park tends to close up and, or tends to kind of thin out about 6 p.m. All the school groups and the family groups were all kind of filtering out after about 6. So for the last couple of hours, it's pretty quiet in here. They have things for the little kids, too. I think the uh, the fairy tale forest is perfect for little kids, particularly if they're starting to read and read the fairy tales. Uh, there was a cute little show we saw with uh, puppets where some really talented performers uh, changed puppets, but uh, kept uh, changing characters as well. And even though they're holding the puppets and talking, they changed facial expressions and adapted the characteristics of the characters. Really an interesting presentation. Um, I think anybody could find something that they would love here. If you love theme parks, you owe it to yourself to get to Edfling. Well, and I thought one of the most interesting things that I had never seen before in a theme park is they had a train that was a pedal train. So literally you get in and you start pedaling and we got in the train car together and it's usually an adult and a child together, but we did it. And it goes for quite a while. And my little, you know, stepper from my Fitbit was tracking us. And I think it ended up being a, a quarter of a mile track. So you're pedaling your car around this train uh, track where we went through a windmill and whatnot. And it was adorable, but I've never seen anything like that. They had some really clever rides. Of course, my favorites, other than the, the dream one, were the carousels. They have two fantastic carousels here. And one of them is even run by steam. It's an indoor carousel from the 20s that they were putting coal into because it's a steam operated carousel to this day. And wow, I'm in love with both of those carousels. So many creative, fun rides. Uh, uh, the carousels were very different. They had two uh, antique, I guess is the best way to describe them, vintage carousels. Uh, with different animals and different type of uh, vehicles, uh, seats, vessels. I don't know what you call them. I mean, one of them had a double chicken that you could ride on. And the nice thing is they're not plastic. These are the original ones. These have been well taken care of over the years. They had a couple of them that had carriages on them, but they weren't just a stagnant carriage. The carriages rocked back and forth as you were in them. They both had calliopes in the middle that were still playing Music to this day, there was not an MP3 player that was playing. You could see the calliope going up and down, but one was indoors, one was outdoors, but they both were truly vintage and very well loved and well taken care of and really well preserved. You know, so much uh, 
preservation happens at Etflink, definitely check out the uh, museum. You can see uh, some of Etflink's past, but that's the beautiful thing. Uh, if you grew up going, for example, to Disneyland, a lot of the rides you grew up with uh, are gone or they've changed. And I certainly can't speak for everything at Etflink, but there is a lot of vintage stuff there that is classic that is timeless and I'm so glad that it's still there and we got to experience it and it's still holding up today. And another thing that I really noticed here that I've got to say I've never seen in any other theme park is playgrounds throughout the actual theme park. They had all different age playgrounds. So even if you're traveling with the littlest of children and they just want to ride on a merry-go-round or these neat little horses that slid back and forth like a rocking horse. They had all these playgrounds scattered throughout the park. So maybe if they're too young to ride on one of the adventure rides, they can still have a great day. They had benches that were on a wheel that were on a merry-go-round that you could actually spin. So many unique things. I mean, we went on a teeter-totter. I do not know the last time I've been on a teeter-totter, but for some reason it was just so cute and clever. We had to hop on. One of the must-dos here is uh, Raveling, which is the uh, stage show with a dragon. But one of the cool things that we got to do is we went to uh, the dinner uh, at, uh, is, is the restaurant also called Raveling? Yeah, it's actually called the Raveling Restaurant. And one of the things that I really was impressed kind of pre-planning this trip with Epling is a week prior, it starts sending you an email a day. And it says, have you planned your dining reservations? Did you know that you could do this? So each day you get a couple of hints. So when we got the recommendation six days out about dining, we actually took their advice and I picked up the phone because, again, they're not on open table. It's not something you do online. I picked up the phone really early in the morning, West Coast time, and I called the hotel or called reservations and I made a reservations for dinner. And I'm so glad that we did because tonight's dinner is probably the best themed dinner that we've done at a theme park. I think it's the best restaurant inside a theme park that we've ever been at. And that covers a lot of ground. Uh, you walk in and it sort of looks like uh, like a rustic winery, maybe with wooden tables and different shelves and things. And you sit down and they already have the uh, the appetizer plate out in the center of the table. Yeah, they got a full charcuterie of meats and cheeses and fruits and this beautiful crusty bread and different butters and spreads and it's a it's a price fixed menu so you get a you pay either the adult rate or the child rate set price and so your beverages are included if you wanted the house wine which was the i think of sauvignon blanc which jim enjoyed you could have soft drinks you could have beer it's all included as part of your menu and which was great because you didn't have to think well do i really want to spend you know nine dollars for a glass of wine or whatever it's going to be because it's already taken care of and it's already set in the menu and it's all that you can eat so you start with your charcuterie and then you go from there uh we had a very nice wait staff very friendly hello ramon you were <laughs> so nice to us thank you for everything and the uh the chef as well i believe his name was hassan thank you for they were so nice and they were so friendly. So if you uh, go to the Raveling restaurant, be sure to ask for ask for Ramon. He's very nice. One of the cute things they do, and again, because we don't speak Dutch, everybody sat down because it's a set time for dinner. It's either five, we did the 530 seating, which was the only seating that they were doing tonight being a midweek. And so you sit down and all of a sudden the chef comes out and he makes this big announcement, which we can't understand. And all the kids get up and they follow the chef into the kitchen. Well, they're really smart because they have all the kids' meals ready to go on like wooden cutting boards. So the kids get served right away. So you're not getting antsy children while mom and dad are enjoying their charcuterie and having a beverage. So the kids bring back their food and they, you know, they were able to dig in and not have to wait. I thought that was really clever and they get to go back into the kitchen. Well, that follows up with after a little while when the adults have finished their charcuterie. They come back and they pull an adult from each table. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yes, Ramon. Ramon was nice enough to pick me and they give you a, a scarf that they wrap around your uh, neck. And sort of looks like maybe like you're reading like a napkin, like a, like a cloth napkin around your neck for a bib or something. And uh, you walk into the kitchen and uh, the chef was there. And uh, we started talking and he's like, where are you from? It was like Seattle. And he's like, oh, wow. Well, here, 
we got to take a picture behind uh, the serving area where the chef was, and he recommended uh, the licorice branch, and I chewed on that, and we had just a just a great time. They could not have been nicer to us, and uh, we appreciate uh, everything. And then right after uh, we finished eating, the uh, the raveling show started, where you can see the audio animatronics of the the dragon and the knights fighting and uh it was a, it's a it's an incredible show everything at Etbling is so well thought out and so creative and just wonderful yeah if you get a chance and you come here make sure that you make dinner reservations for this lovely three course meal the charcuterie your main entree with sides which tonight was roasted chicken with vegetables and coleslaw and then apple pie with a white um vanilla sauce on top so it was delicious and again being able to watch the show after we finished without having to even go sit in the bleachers we kind of got the back view of it it was fantastic i loved it it was a great way to end the day at ed filling so i highly recommend uh definitely use going to uh, and eating at uh raveling the restaurant oh it's a must do i wouldn't i would do it again and like we were saying it's good quality food because a lot of these dinner shows we've been to at a variety of theme parks over the years are just okay. You know, you know exactly what you're getting. You kind of know the the drill, but this was unlike anything that we'd had before. So usually what we do when we end this, what were your three favorite things? Well, my three favorite things for this particular trip were Symbolica, my fairy ride that I love so much, <laughs> and I think the fairy tale forest because it took me back to my days of going to Enchanted Forest as a kid. And it just had such really great memories and reading fairy tales as a kid. I agree with you. Drumvlucht, the fairy ride, uh, Symbolica, definitely. I was so looking forward to Symbolica. When I saw it online, I was like, that's going to be my new favorite ride. And it lived up to the hype. It's incredible. Loved Symbolica. It is charming and magical. And you'll ooh and ah all the way through the first time, especially, and each time until then, because you uncover something new every time. And that's the beautiful thing I think about Eiffeling. Number three, uh, I could say Fairy Tale Forest as well, but I think I will be even more specific and say the Water Lilies. Uh, it's an old ride, and I think some people will find it hokey, but I just found it incredibly <laughs> charming. It's just this snapshot. Uh, the I think the, the, audit, the animatronics still hold up. The song is so catchy. Uh, it's just great. And I would say that uh, a very close fourth, maybe 3B, is uh, probably the talking tree. But uh, I think the, the fairy tale forest, don't underestimate it. Don't sell it short. Carve out a lot of time for the fairy tale forest, for sure. But Etfling is is just amazing. It's just this storybook and you open up and every page you turn is just as special and just as magical as the next. It is, it's incredible. I love Edfeling. I would recommend this. If you can fit in a couple of days on any trip to, if you're going to Germany or Belgium or the Netherlands and you love theme parks and you love fairy tales, make sure you allow time for this. It's well worth the trip. And I'm so glad that we did this. This was truly a highlight. And this is just the beginning of our trip. That's the fun part. Yeah, we've got another podcast that will be up or is up right now, depending on where you listen, for uh, Fantasialand in Germany. So be sure to uh, keep following us on Facebook at The Best Trip Ever and also on Twitter at The Best Trip Ever. And if someone wants to book at Fling, how can they contact you? They can reach out to me, K-A-R-I at StellarTravel.com. Well, Edfling is amazing, and I know we say it a lot, but I think in this case it rings true. Edfling here in Holland is whimsical, it's sweet, it is magical, and it's definitely part of the best trip ever.